You're listening to Soccer Report Extra with Bobby McMahon and Owen O'Callaghan. Welcome to the Soccer Report Extra podcast World Cup edition. Um, when we're recording this, we're about ooh, 72 hours, maybe less than 72 hours. Ah, maybe a little bit more than 72 hours. 72 hours-ish away from the start of the 21st World Cup. So, uh, welcome back, Owen O'Callaghan. Owen? Thank you. There Thank you. It's, it means a lot to be here for such a special edition. <laughs> the very the first Russian World edition. Cup edition we've ever done, I think. And Luke uh, Crawford, who is minding um, the controls and also taking notes because the notes are going to come in handy here for bragging rights for the uh, Soccer Report Extra Podcast World Cup edition. So let's start off. Um, okay, on a, honestly, Owen, uh, first game up, Russia and Saudi Arabia in the uh, Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow on Thursday. How excited are you about this matchup on a scale of minus 5 to 10? Um... <sighs> This is in terms of, uh, I mean, even the teaser for these games um, are remarkably boring. I mean, even the guy who's paid money to come in and and try to sound as excited as possible about this game, you know, Russia against Saudi Arabia just Uh, doesn't even... I mean, oh, I thought you were talking about Robbie Robbie Williams. <laughs> Will Robbie Williams miss a penalty like Diana Ross did at the opening ceremony of the Nike Four World Cup? It's a big but question. the, the rumour is that the fix was in on Diana Ross. Like she <laughs> took a brown envelope. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not yes, saying anything about North American yes. governing bodies and World Cups. Yes, she reigns supreme. Hey! hey. First one of the night. So anyway... um. Between the matchup between these two countries and the fact that we're going to have to survive an opening ceremony, <laughs> I think I'd prefer to start watching on Friday. Uh, yes, I mean, firstly, uh, I mean, you know, coming into this, um, Russia are horrible. Russia are so bad. I mean, it, it, it's 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 absolutely awful. I, I actually had to stop myself and and, and think for a second because there was a period in the mid '90s when when I kind of got relatively excited about about certain Russian players. Uh, Alexander Mostovoy was always a player I used to love watching. Um, yeah. And Kinchelskis, obviously, during his kind of United pomp. Um, but it's and then Archevin in two thousand, the great team in two thousand, yeah, the Euro team. Um, the last world, the, the last World Cup that they got beyond the group stages was nineteen eighty six. I mean, that's the type of pedigree. Oh, I mean, that, that's how far back you have to go. Who who did they play in 1986? Oh, you you you'd know you'd know come more. Come um, of course. Go on, go on, do it. Go on, do I it. I know you want no. it. Go on. No, 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 no. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to think. But that was a good team, though. That, that was the old Soviet Union, wasn't? Wasn't that uh, the great game with Belgium? Uh, yes, did they not have yeah. a very good goalkeeper in that team as well? That eighties Russian Soviet team. Was that the Chelsea keeper? You thinking of Karine? Yeah. No, he came along a bit later. No, didn't no, he? it was I came after, right? Yeah, but they did have a goal ke- good goalkeeper. Now eighty six was. Um, oh God, no, I'm getting them mixed up. We eighty two. They had the great goalkeeper in eighty two as well, because that right. was the group that Luke, uh, Luke can help us out. Luke can help yeah. us out with these notes. Um, but there are some, you know, generally Russians have produced over the years many, many good goalkeepers. I'm not sure. Well, I can fear if Huzzy's day, but shutouts and Akinfeyev don't actually go, to, but, go together but, um, very But it's well, strange, isn't it? it, that we're still talking about Akinfeyev as one of their crucial yeah. standout players. Um, you know, yeah. given that, you know, he, he seemed to have been around forever. Um, I mean, the likes of Zhagoev yeah. is still there. Um, you know, Shmolov. Kambarov is still there. Uh, there's a couple of other names. Uh, again, Kambarov. Yeah, it says <laughs> it's a rip off. Um, <laughs> you, you're, getting, you're getting the drift, um, here, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Um, is a f- there's a few household names in there. Oh, there's a red card. Golovin. Golovin that's been linked with a lot of clubs. Uh, Glushikov, Spartak Moscow, who's seen uh, playing in. Um, in uh, various European competitions, looks like a decent player now and again. So but what we're co- you know who's still in their pool? You know who's still in their pool? Go on, Zerkov. Oh really? Wow. Well, Thirty-four. Spe- and he's speaking still of unfortunate Russian surnames, um, 
Good old yeah, Yuri um, had had one to beat, definitely. Um, and apologies yeah. in advance for for our followers in in Saudi Arabia. Um, we, we seem to have you know have have been no going. We've been going Russian heavy here. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the Saudis, uh, like what nineteen ninety four? Obviously, is is when they last got out of a group. Yeah. They go in here with absolutely the no expectations goal. whatsoever. Um, you, you would have to look at these. I mean, if Russia get a victory on day one, obviously that will will you know be be a massive thing that they can take through the, the, their two remaining but, fixtures. But, but just, it's essentially just, can we face it? It's a battle between Egypt and Russia for that second place in Group A, isn't it? Really, I think so. But let, let's and this this is a thing that um, I think you know major tournaments and I think particularly World Cup if you look back over the times it's it's relatively rare to find a team that loses their first game and actually qualifies from the group if you go mm. back many of the teams many of the countries have done it are back in the days when it was groups of 24 when it was 24 sure when it was and and there were the third place finishers at that time but yeah. when you're going to 16 or 32 it's relatively unusual remember Spain did it of course in 2010 and lost to Switzerland then went, went on to win the trophy which was essentially unheard of um, but it does put a real premium on not losing that first game doesn't it which and certainly as well adds to that horrible boredom factor that we're almost anticipating for that opening fixture where you may have two teams who are you know so focused on not losing um, that, that 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 everything just may, may be a little bit Safe and concerned and can and uh, calm rather than either team happily going for it. Honest to God, there's been so many bad first games at World Cups. <laughs> I can't even pick my worst one. There's been so many. You always have to go, but I mean, I I have a a, a weird. Uh, favorite opening game, uh, which is Argentina Cameroon uh, in 1990, <laughs> because At least it was of Claudio Canigia effectively being assaulted every time he was <laughs> yeah. in possession of the ball. Um, look it up on YouTube; it, it's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, you, I, 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 I guess that you have to go back to 2006 to Germany Costa Rica to f- to find a yes. really stirring, uh, exciting goal fest of an opening fixture. Yeah, and that was and that was maybe somewhat because of an early goal. Yeah, a relatively early goal. I think I was Philip Lamb, wasn't it? Coming off the coming off the left and slotted one, slotting it was right, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Made uh, really started off, but you you go back through them. There was a Belgium one. There was a Belgium game somewhere in the maybe eighties. <laughs> Absolutely abysmal, abysmal stuff. But uh, anyway, so we're not looking forward to this. But anyway, pick pick a winner or pick a draw. I'm, I think I think that that Russia um, may may do enough to nick it. I mean, it's it's not gonna it's not really gonna be pretty. You know, I think it could be a one one nil type thing. Um, but in, in saying that. The Saudis could even could even pick something up from that game. I mean, it, it's it's a bit weird. I'm I'm sitting so so much on the fence. I, I'm reluctant to kind of go with the Russia to win. Hey, this come on, you've got ten to pick, so you've got to get off this fence at some point. Okay, listen, I'm going to go Russia. I'm going to do one 0 win for Russia in that opening game. Okay, uh, we're, 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 we won't get down as granular as the score, but we'll know that anyway. I'm going to go one-one draw. Okay, at least two goals could possibly be own goals. <laughs> wow. We are really not selling this at all, are we? No, we're not. <laughs> Make sure to tune in <laughs> on Thursday. You'll have a ball. Yeah, yeah just Make just sure just you've got lots, or, or advi- lots of sweeties. Yeah, our advice to viewers: just keep Netflix just on the iPad next to you, just yeah. in case you you know just if you want a bit of excitement. Yeah, someplace somewhere, some places there's a, a golf tournament or there's cricket <laughs> yeah. going on or there's a tennis match yeah, someplace. Exactly. So you probably should should have a backup plan for that one. But uh, then we go on to Friday. This is actually, um, it's not certainly, I wouldn't call it the the big game of Friday, but it's an interesting game, Egypt yes. and Uruguay. Now, we know uh, Uruguay's reputation for being gritty and solid. And, 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 and biters. And biters. As well. Well, yep. one biter. Uh, one, but one there, biter. but if if what I read is correct, and I haven't really watched much of Uruguay in the last couple of years, but they've... They've got this thing called a creative midfield now, as opposed to seven <laughs> defenders 
and three attackers with you know Cavani and uh, Suarez and maybe one other, which has been the formula for quite quite some time back to South Africa anyway, maybe even just before that. But uh, in Egypt, uh, making a first appearance for a long, long time, back to 1990, talking about bad World Cups. Mm. And um, so, the, the, but this is kind of interesting one, I think. Oh, I think firstly, from the Egyptian perspective, um, you know, d- d- how, how do you do you play the percentage game? Um, do you keep Salah on the bench for this game? Um, do you keep him in reserve for the two group games that, you know, on paper, you can probably get done and dusted and essentially just make a big play to, uh, to, to, to finish second in that group and reach the knockout stages? Or do you go and, and you select a Salah that, that's maybe 70, 75% fit? He, he may have repercussions, um, you know, from, from taking on Uruguay, a, a game that's probably stacked in the South Americans' favour anyway. Um, so I think that opening fixture will probably tell us more about Mo Salah's fitness than anything else, and and how uh, you know Hector Cooper is, is looking at this, and 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 how he wants to play, and how he wants to play the entire thing. So what about Hector Cooper? There's a name from the past, Owen. Yeah, and you know it, it's 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 good to see sometimes at World Cups those coaches that have maybe drifted off into the background. And then they're given a little bit of a platform uh, to return, and he's yeah. definitely one of those guys. You'd see him on the touchline and go, "Ah, oh, yeah, completely forgot that he's yeah. um, he's in charge of Egypt." I thought he'd retired. Uh, That's yes. what people say about us, of course. Uh, <laughs> the, what they're still well, going about me anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, 1990 um, is it's a long time for and like we talked before about how Egypt went through their golden period. I mean, for quite a while yeah. they were the best team in Africa, and they just never were able to step up to the plate and get qualification assured uh, and so I mean obviously um, they will be looking at trying to nail down that runners up spot um, and you know I think yeah I, I think they've got enough I mean you look at, at some of the players in that group um, you know in terms of that opening game that may go against them potentially uh, but I think that there's there's probably enough there in, in that squad to, to get them over the finish line when play, certainly when placed in uh, the con in, in the context of the other two teams in the group um, you may like, I've got them I've got them going through a second place in this group yeah you know I, I think that's a fair it's a fair bet to have um, so would you think would you think Egypt Uruguay who are you going I, I think that where's the money going? you know I think with Uruguay, I mean the likes of Cavani and Suarez, they've still got Muslera in goal, Maxi Pereira, Diego Godin. You know, it's a, it's a strong. Spine. Well, certainly it's, got some good players. Yeah, and you know, not I, I don't think that Uruguay will, will get far in this tournament, but certainly top spot in this group is is pretty much assured. Um, I'm going to give them a something like a three-one maybe. Yeah, I'm going to go for two nothing Uruguay. Now, just just notes in here, just looking at some notes. He, you know, talking about this this kind of transition for Uruguay, and Jimenez, who played at the last World Cup, but still a young man, like he's only twenty two. I think, you know, I can't believe that somebody hasn't splashed out tons of money on that mm. player. I think he's he's he is going to be, in four years' time, he's going to be the best defender in the world. I, that's how 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 good I think he is. And um, there's, but there's another player that I noticed uh, is playing their midfield now, uh, Vecino, who plays mm. for Inter, who's had a really good season. I uh, got that goal late on uh, that put Inter in the Champions League. And um, uh, Diarascheta, I think is how you pronounce it. But I remember watching him and seeing him in a um, in an under twenty, I think it was World Cup. And he was excellent. So I'm not sh- quite sure how old he is now, but uh, um, I think. Well, actually, I do know how old he is now. He's 23. I've just checked the notes, and he's plays for. He's playing for uh, Cruzeiro in Brazil, but he might be a player to watch. But I'm going to go for two nothing. You went for what was it? Three one. I went for three one for Uruguay yeah. uh, with uh, with Suarez getting a couple of those goals. I think. Okay. Well, we're getting down to goal scorers now. Oh God, I'm going to be struggling. Anyway, uh, so that's two down, eight to go, and uh, takes us to the second game on Friday, Morocco and Iran. Another humdinger. 
Well, um, eh, we're not, we're not going to bluff this, are we? Because we know uh, pretty much we're, bugger we're all not about go- either of them. Yeah, we're not going to bluff this uh, because that would not be very fair to our no. listeners. We'll, we'll leave that uh, to and, the people who go on TV and do that stuff. Correct. Um, I, I really do not know much about either of these teams. Um, there are a couple of the Moroccan side who uh, are familiar. Their manager, Herr Renard, uh, yep. we've talked about him uh, previously. Um, he's He's got a little bit of pedigree when it comes to this stuff. Um, but outside of that, uh, Benesia is there. Um, Amrabat is there. Um, <laughs> Yunus <laughs> Belhanda, obviously. <laughs> is he um, going to turn it on? <laughs> hey. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean Morocco for me. It, it was twenty years ago with a uh, Haji uh, Nebet yeah. center half, a really really great team, very very talented individual players. Um, so somebody three nothing in a final game in the group stage. A, a certain team, I can't quite remember who <laughs> who that was. Uh, maybe Luke can remind us at the end of the show. Um, well, I can remember. I remember it quite well. Um, I remember from, all of them quite well. <laughs> um, uh, for the Iranians, um, but Iranian Kirosh is the coach. Carlos Kiroz is the coach, yes indeed, uh, and he features in a group uh, with Portugal uh, and with Spain, so in terms yeah. of his own kind of uh, personal investment in it, it, it kind of ticks a couple of boxes. Um, former Real Madrid coach, um, obviously a former Portuguese coach, um, would have had um, a lot of those Portuguese players um, under his uh, management. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a there's a few interesting things for him uh, in terms of this tournament. This is his uh, final. He's been at Iran for quite a while now, but this is his, this is his kind of farewell. Um, is it? He's packing it in after. He's this? packing it in after this tournament. Uh, no, or so yeah. he says at, at the moment. I'm sure yeah. that could potentially change. Or yeah, more if than Morocco. Go, if 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 Iran go on to win this, I think he's going to change his mind. Well, the thing is, Iran could <laughs> potentially be be embarrassed a little bit couldn't they as well i mean it, it could go either it could go either way um so i mean it's the in, in but, terms of those but you are, go back like Mor- i'm sorry no. i was going to say morocco um i believe were, were really very very defensively sound in uh, qualifying yep. and going back four years like iran any world cup they don't seem they're kind of almost like a the kind of japan uh syndrome where they certainly don't embarrass themselves, but they just don't seem to have enough to get over the line to get to that last sixteen. Yeah, and and I I, I just think um, from from some very very basic notes that, that I made about them, um, scoring goals is a massive problem for them. They, they, I mean, it, it, it was yeah. even in qualifying, it was it was very much getting over the line in games it was it was hardly explosive or very exciting stuff so um yeah. you know in games like this you know they go into a morocco game surely you know with, with the hope that possibly we could nick something but again you're looking at you know where that inspiration will come from and and, and it's it's hard to see where it will come from ultimately but you, you look at this in terms of strategy as well and you're looking at morocco iran being in a group of portugal and spain the mm. good thing about this game is surely both these teams are thinking themselves if we go out and win this the very least we're going to do is put some pressure on Portugal and Spain but a draw doesn't really help them at all like if you're the coach I think you'd be gambling on this one you'd be going out all out to win this well, because ultimately, I mean, what what else are you going to have? You're going to, you know, fast forward, you know, a week, a week or ten days. You're bottom of the group, having got hockeyed, um, you know, by by two teams, and and what being on the other side of um, a, a dodgy result in in your third game, and you're going home with zero points. I mean, no, yeah. you know, no team wants that at all. I mean, they may play it safe, and they may go well. You know, a, a draw does get us both, you know, on the board uh, with a point each. We're we're hardly disgraced. Um, but uh, I think you're right. I mean, if, particularly if, if you're Morocco in this in this circumstance, they'll be very very focused on on not um, suffering an early World Cup embarrassment. Um, you know, and, and I don't mean that to sound harsh on on Iran, but Morocco clearly will go into this game as favourites. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, they, they would they they have obviously um, more more well-known players uh, who play it at an elite level of the game um, and you know that that's you know that the win is 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 and should be expected from their perspective and, and if they don't get that I mean that's 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 something that they'll struggle so, to live down so what's your prediction my friend um, I think uh, in terms of Iran trying to find a net I mean 
I think it would be tough. I think Morocco could do this like like two nil maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna go one nil Morocco. Okay. And and just to be fair, I'm gonna turn this around after a while and I'll give my predictions first. Right. For a couple of them. We'll do the, the ABBA penalty shootout style. Yes, yeah, A B B A. Right. So which takes us to really uh Friday the, the, the late game on Friday, the late game being <laughs> in uh in our time zone about one o'clock in the afternoon, which isn't particularly late, but Portugal, Spain. Mm. I'm quite fascinated by this. But the odds on Portugal winning the World Cup are like twenty seven to one. Like I don't think Portugal are gonna win the World Cup. But surely their odds should be shorter than twenty-seven to one. Well, I mean, should they, not? they they are. At least we They're forget the, the best team in Europe. So keeping yeah. that logic, twenty-seven to one is absolutely stupid odds. Um, yeah. I mean, like you got P- Patricio, the goalkeeper, is something like twenty to one to not be to to um, to win the Golden Glove. Like a team like Portugal. Who and Argentina is the same. There's a couple of teams in this competition we think are full of attacking players that go forward with verb and are exciting and all the rest. And the bottom line to them is they're not at all. They actually struggle to score goals. Now Portugal, I think, have got a little bit better in the last couple of years. But historically, what's held Portugal back from being one of the great teams in the world has been their lack of goals and their over reliance on Ronaldo for these goals for so long. Uh, the, the other thing, from as many Portuguese fans will will know, is. <laughs> As good as things have been for them, um, you know, in terms of how Euro 2016 played out, the World Cup has not been a very happy place for them. Uh, I mean, they, they, in 2006, yeah, what, they they, they reached the semi-finals, but, but outside of that, yep. didn't get out of group four years ago, knockout stage, I think, was it 2010, uh, group stage, even 2002. Um, so it, it, they've got a bit of a checkered history when it comes to this tournament, and and no, and it's weird because, True. in fairness to Portugal, I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, what wins you World Cups? What gets you far in it? Well, certainly, what wins you uh, a World Cup, and maybe um, the exuberance and exuberance and excitement gets you close enough is functionality. You know, you look at the winners. It, you know, yeah. it's not it's not always the. It actually certainly isn't um, the best football playing side, uh, with maybe the yeah. exception of of Spain in 2010. Even though that comes with its own caveat. You know, they lost their opening game. It wasn't very. Um, they didn't, didn't score, score a lot of goals. goals yeah, exactly. So you can kind of take from that what you will. Um, so Portugal, in many respects, do have some ingredients that you would um, align with teams that should do well in, in a World Cup tournament. Portugal really have struggled though. Um in terms of in terms of this game, um it's beautifully poised, isn't it? Like f- first game out of the traps, uh, the, yeah. the two best teams in the group, uh, obviously intense uh rivalry based on on geography. Um I I I've given Spain the edge. I've given Spain the edge um and I, I just, I just think it's because if I was a betting man, I'd always, I'd always bet more on Spain than than I would on Portugal. Because I, even at the Euros t- two years ago, <laughs> it was kind of remarkable to see Portugal lifting the trophy at the end of the tournament. Um, I'm kind of like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. They haven't been very impressive, yeah. and yet they walk off as as winners. But um, keeping that logic, yeah. I think that um, Spain have a little bit more um, experience, um, and I think. Uh, you know, you look at the individuals in that Portugal squad, and you go, mm, "You know what? There's quite a few players here that can do damage." Um, but equally, you have that same logic yeah. with Spain too. Um, so I think I've given Spain the edge in this game, and I've given Spain as a result the edge in the group. Um, would I be incredibly surprised if Portugal were to reverse that? Um, no, I wouldn't. But on the basis of making predictions and and trying to fill up a bracket as best we can, um, I think Spain will win this game. Okay, well, my choice, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Okay. I'm going for the basis of that uh, the two teams go battle out by uh, blutering the, uh, trying to bluter Morocco and Iran and win on goal difference and get the edge of that one. But I, I just think that uh, this thing about not losing the first game Mm. Um, is going to play on both their minds, and these these teams have got a kind of history of playing very tight games at, True. at major tournaments. Often it's been at Spain, and it's gone at penalty kicks and in um, in uh, penalty kick decider in the knockout round. So I'm going to go one one for this one. So that brings us to the end of part one. We'll be back with part two, and we'll start with France and Australia right after this. 
You're listening to Soccer Report Extra. Keep up to speed with the podcast and get all the latest news, musings, and rants from Bobby and Owen by liking us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Soccer Report Extra Podcast, World Cup Edition. Uh, four games we've covered uh, Thursday and Friday. And really, when uh, serious World Cup viewing people get down to it is on the first weekend. And it starts off first game in the morning, early start in many areas of the Americas, France and Australia. Now, Owen, you're telling me off the air that you look at France and you fancy France. My God, do you not learn? It's France. (laughs) How can you trust them? Well, come on. I mean, listen. (laughs) You have to... Like, how many hissy fits can you put on No, one? I think, he listen, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of ego in this French team, but there's no Nicolas Anelka. <laughs> As they there's say. There's no Patrice Evra. Um, there's no... Uh, the, thankfully, there's not the likes of Samir Nasri anymore. Um, True. You know... Uh, what we have is 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 a couple of very but, subtle but guys like Paul oppor- Pogba, for instance. <laughs> a guy, yeah, no muscle, no force. But is this not an opportunity for? Is it not an opportunity for some young egos to make a mark? Yes, but I do think that uh, with Didier Deschamps <laughs> as manager, uh, he has managed to uh, harness all of the arrogance uh, and ego and kind of push it <laughs> in the it. right direction. Uh, I think they really should have won the European Championship two seasons ago. Um, exactly, exactly. But, they but you have to allow the team to blossom and develop and a loss in a final like the Euros will motivate them to, ro- to right the wrong <laughs> from two years ago. Uh Ergo, oh. they will be. Uh, well, they'll at least win uh, or at least reach uh, another final where they will suffer more disappointment. But we'll come to that later. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Australia struggled, but got there eventually, uh, going through the um, the Concacaf fourth place team Honduras to get there. Um, it's not a it's not a good Australian side though. I watched them in that uh, series against Honduras, and it was brutal. Uh, they've also got um, Bert van Marwijk um, as their as their coach, who, who as I said, <laughs> who, brutal. who had nothing to do with their <laughs> World Cup qualification, but now suddenly finds no. himself uh, at the uh, at the at the helm. Um, so yes, apologies to all of our um, Aussie colleagues and our Aussie friends. Um, this is a this is a difficult in terms of opening fixtures. Listen, Auss- the Aussies bring uh, a certain degree of physicality and grit and determination, um, in much the same way as as as, as some other teams do, um, just to try and, and make up for a lack of of, of individual quality. Um, I think that when you they, they, they bring, bring Aussiness exactly, um, which is in its own way yes. um, a, a very redeemable kind of yes. quality. Um, and and you know what. Particularly yeah. for an opening game, it could it could go some way to having an impact. You know, in terms of you know it, this could potentially be pretty tight for 65, 70 odd minutes um, as France try to, to 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 find a way through. Um, but I so, I, I, so do, you anticip- do you anticipate Tim Cahill scoring the winner from a header with <laughs> a minute to go? A Tim Cahill overhead kick? No, is that the, the 38, that's the... 38 and he's. He's probably gonna he's gonna find some time on the park. Well, in terms of uh, physical aggressive presence, you can't really do uh, much better than Tim Cahill. Uh, but um, in terms of 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 the French uh, defensive units, you've got the likes of Varane, Umtiti. Um, you know, I I I don't think they'll be too concerned. Um, but I I think France will will take this. I think it, you know again. It's hard, you know, if, if if they get an early goal, obviously that kind of changes things and it might be a little bit easier. Um, but I can see the Aussies putting up a, a relatively decent fight. Um, so so maybe uh, France to France to take this, maybe something like 2-0. I'll be interested, um, actually, the, after slamming the Aussies there, but I'm interested in seeing how, how Arden Moy from Huddersfield and also uh, Tom Rod- yeah. Rod- Rodic from Celtic actually do because I think like, Rodic is a good player. Um, slightly inconsistent at times, but God, when he's on his game, he can be a very, very good player. 
Um, so and 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 yeah, Matty Ryan as a goalkeeper is, is not bad. He's solid. Yeah. Um, if unspectacular. Yeah. So well. I'm going for France two nothing. What's your uh, what's your poison? Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think we can we can okay. uh, we can we can share the load on that one. Okay, so any listeners out there for whatever you do, don't go for two nothing France. <laughs> <laughs> we we take we sorry only, in advance. We take no responsibility for your money. Yeah, um, Luke will have so, a disclaimer at the end of this program. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> um, next game, eight o'clock. I think it's eight o'clock uh, Central Time. Give or take an hour. Check your uh, check your uh, PVR. Argentina and Iceland. Get your Viking hats on. All the make, yeah, get horny. Um, (laughs) This one is all the makings, potentially, of a bit of a banana skin, I think, for Argentina, but I don't think it will be because I think, I don't think we're going to see the same Iceland we saw two years ago. Are you expecting the Icelandic capitulation that I'm expecting? uh... I'm expecting that I I think the the Icelandic boat has sailed. And it could even be on fire. I I I think that the 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 goodwill uh, and and the romance and the optimism um, really for me ended um, with with Iceland's uh, magical, remarkable journey at Euro twenty sixteen. To expect them to deliver even something relatively close to that, um, I think is yeah. is is it, it's a it's a real long shot. Um, I think that. I think t- I think too many too many people jumped on the boat. Yeah, and and to be honest, I, like, you know, literally, I, like there's, there's it's just overdone. Yeah, and, I, and I think you also have to recognise, um, you know, the the, the, the limitations. You know, it, it's it's a small community, and it's so that means that you you celebrate wildly uh, when things go your way, and when you're excelling, and when you're doing yeah. things. Um, that, that are that are reaping so many rewards uh, because ultimately for the most part uh, th- that won't happen all the time um I think yeah the, also the, the euros is a little bit of a condensed thing uh, you know where uh, the chemistry was a very important thing for them they obviously took the the English scalp which was another um, shot in the arm for them a big jolt um and I also kind of look at this group. Uh, as as potentially problematic for them, uh, not least this opening fixture, which um, you know <laughs> we are dealing with Argentina, <laughs> um, and and Gilfie and Gilfie Gilfie is one of my favourite players hmm. in the world. He's had a shitty season. It, it hasn't it hasn't helped. You know, you're you're now again. I mean, it kind of works in yeah, weird ways. Yeah, you could turn it around. You know, yeah, he gets a bit of yeah. a breather. He gets you know, it's it's uh, yeah. and also as well, um, you know, players. You know, have have different um, ways of of dealing with expectation. You know, maybe Sigurd, you know, when you think of Sigurdsson at Swansea, um, he was the big fish in the small pond uh, in much yeah. the same way that he, he continues to be with his country. Um, when he's moved to a bigger club, he seems to get swallowed up a bit. So maybe he look at it as a bit of a nice kind of break for him, a break, a World Cup being a break for a player. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from his personal perspective, to get out of an absolute hellish experience uh, at Everton and just kind of get back to playing a bit of football. Now, the thing is, how much of a football he will see uh, playing against Argentina is, is a slightly different matter. Yeah. Now we're we're going to just skip over Argentina because Argentina, we're I know we're going to pick up in future yes. future podcasts and talk more detail about them. But I'm going to go for two nothing Argentina. I might even go three nil Argentina in that game opener. Ooh. Messi hat trick? I I don't think so. Um, <laughs> will it be Aguero? Will we see Aguero finally scoring at a bloody world? Yeah, it's about filming time he scores a yeah, world. Or maybe cup. it'll be maybe, maybe it'll be two from Otamendi and uh, or or what about Iguain? Iguain won't hit the won't hit the You know crossbar. what? It's, it's only when you're listing all of these names that you're going. God Almighty! There's some sickening talent. I know. How group. can they not score goals? Anyway, yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. But anyway, so we're both going to go for Argentina in that one. So that brings us to the final game on Saturday. And this one, I think, is quite intriguing. And I don't want to bring up bad memories. So, <laughs> so all I'll say is Denmark and Christian Eriksen. Careful now. P- 
playing against Peru. So it's actually Christian Eriksen <laughs> playing against Peru, isn't it? Uh, well, do you know what? I've, I've had to laugh. A lot of people, uh, particularly North America, maybe they're just conditioned to f- kind of follow the individual and that, that strange way that they do with sports. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you talk to them and they'll say things like, you know, my tip as a dark horse. And you say, oh, who's that? Denmark. And I'll say, oh, right. Why is that? <laughs> well, Eriksen's been grey, hasn't he? And you kind of say, yeah, but they kind of need a little bit more than that, don't they? Um, Denmark uh, were miserable uh, in their own backyard in that opening playoff leg against Ireland. Um, and then kind of experienced yeah. a relatively remarkable, inexplicable return game in Dublin when when everything collapsed um, for the Republic of Ireland and everything that Denmark hit, uh, even a strike from Nicholas Bentner, went in the back of the net. Um, so uh, we, we should kind of place that game in, in some context. Um, Peru is is an unusual one. I'm not quite sure. Uh, in in terms, it, It's almost a little bit like the Icelandic thing. Um, Peru seemed to be every neutrals, one of the, the favourite neutral sides heading into this tournament. And I can't quite... Uh, figure out why there's so much optimism about them. Um, okay, I've I've got I've got a couple of theories. Okay, right. Number one, it's been a long time since they've been at the World Cup. Sure, you got to go back to what is it, A two? Yeah, I think they were so. In the Italian group, I think. So that's one thing. I think the second thing is they've come from the depths. Like it wasn't so long ago that Peru, in terms of Conball qualifying, was absolutely rooted to the bottom or pretty close to it. So they've struggled for a long time. The third thing, they have a great uniform. <laughs> I like the way that you've also used the term uniform, which is is very very yeah. North American jersey strip. Yeah, but you know we've got. To, I've got forty years. I've got to acclimatize eventually. Yeah, it's it's inevitable. But um, but Peru. But also, I tell you, I watched I, I watched a couple of Peru games to the end uh, towards the end of Con- uh, Conmebol World Cup mm. qualifying. I was really impressed. Were by you? Them. I don't think they've got a lot up front, but God, are they gritty. Mm. Like, there was almost like, it was like watching a kind of mini Uruguay. Okay. I mean, Uruguay's pretty small anyway, and I think Peru's actually bigger. But that same kind of grittiness you see in Uruguay, they just were absolutely determined. Like, they were, they were tough. They were, you know, they were, they were quick as well with it. Uh, and I say, not so much when they go forward, but... I, I think you're gonna. I think Denmark are gonna find a team that are really up for this in the first game. I think based, and that's why yeah. I'm gonna pick Peru one nothing. Yeah, I think based on the fact that I, I from what I saw of Denmark, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't that impressed. And, and Denmark, we'll, uh, we'll come to to other European teams in in future podcasts that are at the World Cup and have certain people shouting from the rooftops about their potential chances as dark horses. Denmark, uh, I, I really don't think we'll we'll do much and and based on that logic i wouldn't also be surprised um if peru picked up a a one nil or a two one type result in this game so was it two one or one nil you know what based on what you said about the their their attacking limitations maybe actually do you know what i'm gonna go I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Uh, one, one. Ericsson to score for Denmark <laughs> from a set piece. You, you cliche-ridden <laughs> journalist, you. There you go. Yeah. You just want that? that so you can write the headline. <laughs> exactly. That's all you want. Ericsson to the rescue once yes. more for Denmark. As I yeah. predicted. No, also, <laughs> I'd like to point season. out that, that Ericsson will probably do that and nothing else in the tournament. But anyway. <laughs> Although I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him play at that level because he has come on leaps and bounds the last couple of years. I thought when he went to the Premier League, he was going to be too fragile for that league, but he's uh, he's uh, much more robust than when he entered the league and he's a great player to watch. I love watching Ericsson. So, anyway, so that's 1-1. So that takes us to... Oh, another game Saturday. There's, another, there's four games on Saturday. This yeah, is like bumper heaven. day on Saturday. Yeah, this is Christmas heaven, morning. Right? Mm. Oh Jesus! They just keep on coming. And, and to be honest, if if I do end up going to heaven, please, please, if God can just arrange it so that the Nigerian team are there with me. Oh, is it the uniform? Breath of fresh air, hasn't it been? Just yeah. the uni- yeah. the the jersey, the uh, the the stuff that they're wearing on their way when they're traveling. <laughs> it's just yeah. if you're looking for a cool. 
um, sophisticated, suave group to support <laughs> at this World Cup. These Nigerians, it's like they've just, you know, they haven't just walked into the door. They've just bulldozed it. They've bulldozed the house down and there's actually nothing left around That's, them. Yeah, I've got, I've got a good vibe about Nigeria this time. Okay. Not n- something I haven't had since the 90s. Sunday Olise, JJ Okocha. Yeah, great team. Mm. Just great team. You know, and they really haven't, through a lot of disorganisation, they had some good players, um, but a lot of disorganisation around about, you know, maybe, maybe it's maybe I should be learning from past lessons <laughs> and I shouldn't be going for them. But um, like Croatia as well, like I, I kind of have the, I like the look about Croatia um, as well, but I just don't think, I, I just kind of feel that Nigeria is going to win this one 2 1. Yeah, again, Croatia is, is a bit of an unusual one. Um, you know, again, they're, they're one of those teams that people are like, oh, what do you think about Croatia? And, I, and my answer is yeah. not a lot. Um, you know, yeah. well, Modric is great. Yes, he, he is, you know, potentially. Yeah. Uh, Perisic on his day can whip in a terrific delivery. Mandzukic on his day yeah. can, you know, do yeah. well, in, particularly in the air, and, and physically he's impressive. But... Um, I think that this could be a, a bit of a banana skin for the Croats. Um, and, and I think if Nigeria can kind of harness a little bit of this kind of feel-good attitude, um, that that's building up in advance. And, and uh, I mean, to be honest, I look at that Nigerian squad and, and there's not really too much there. Um, no. You know, p- potentially there's a couple of, of players that maybe I don't know much about that will that will be surprise elements, um, and and they can rely on those. But um, you know, th- there's obviously a couple of of, of Premier League players like um, Victor Moses, obviously the big one, Igalo, uh, Indidi, uh, John Obi Mikel still there. Um, but yeah. uh, potentially, I, I think this could, this could have a draw all over. Maybe an entertaining draw, something like a two-two for me is is maybe something I, I I'd look at as, okay. as being a that would be a nice Saturday, wouldn't it? Four goals in that game, Croatia Nigeria, lovely yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to go for two-one Nigeria, but he, I'm just going to drop a name on you. Do you know who's still in the Croatia? Like I thought he was, I thought he was being retired, and it's maybe the fact he was never the quickest player in in the world. But Vedran Chorluka. Charluca is still a good... He must be a good age now, Charluca. He's only 32. Really? I would have given him mid-30s, I think. I would have given him 34, 35. I would have as well. Like, I, it just shows you, like, he, he really came through with that, uh, that... I hate to use the word, but kind of almost like a golden generation. Yeah. Of, um, of uh, certainly the start of it, the younger kind of end of it. But you look at uh, these kind of players that came through. Now, some of them, um, some of them have kind of moved along certain as, you know, no longer the captain. He'd been the captain since, you know, God knows when. You've got remember you got Rakitic in the midfield as yeah. well, and you know that they've got some good players. But I just, I, don't I, know. I I think that I can I can certainly see Croatia getting out of the group. Um, you know, I think that one thing that Croatia could okay. potentially rely on is, and I maybe Luke can check this. How often in the past through the qualification campaigns have Croatia ended up in playoffs? Um, I think when when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I mean they they had to go through the Ukrainian yeah. um, playoff to get here. Um, they had to play Iceland actually um, to get to the last World Cup, as far as yeah. I remember. There was a Turkey one in there someplace. Uh, yeah. As well, wasn't so there? in terms of if it comes down to maybe that last group game, Croatia having to get something out of it, yeah. p- perhaps they can rely on um, their experience of actually getting result when they need to. Um, so I think that's why I think Croatia would get out of the group. Um, I, I, you know, not necessarily in the prettiest sort of set of circumstances, but um, their last game, their last game is against Iceland. Ah uh, yes, I mean I think yeah, I think that that makes a little bit of sense. But we shall see. I yeah. think that maybe uh, yeah. yeah, you're going for a Nigeria winning that game. I'm, I'm going for maybe a two-two entertaining draw. Okay, so then we wake up, we we get through our Saturday, we get a little bit of rest, and we're up a little bit later start this time. Costa Rica and Serbia. Now, interesting, you talk about dark horse. I've had a couple of people people talk to me about the dark horse being Serbia. What? Yeah. Oh, pe- I was just some, telling you what they told you. I didn't necessarily agree with it. people are nuts. Serbia? <laughs> I just, I'm not sure what they're basing that on. I mean, they've got, yeah, like, well, what, Mitrovic up front? Maybe uniform again. I mean, t- what, Tadic? Uh, there's a f- uh. Kolarov. Uh, you know, they still have Ivanovic at the back. I, I just, I don't really see where they... Don't go for that one? Not going to buy that one? 
I'm, listen, I'm just the messenger. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, going. I should be wary of shooting the messenger. I, I, I think on this group, <laughs> we're getting slightly away from that, the individual fixture, but based on this group, Switzerland always get out of groups. Um, so, so based on that logic, it's very, very difficult to, to not select Switzerland as a, as a team who'd finish runners up. So Switzerland are kind of the, the, the modern day England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Have the, have the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Well, I, I wrote a piece, I wrote a piece that's going to go up in a couple of days. That uh, England are a team that used to get knocked out in the last eight, who are now a team that want to get knocked out in the last eight. <laughs> oh, well, fantastic! Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, England. Uh, the young, the, the anyway, young guns. back to Serbia. Um, so, no, yeah. I don't rate them. And um, sorry to be so kind of contrary. I could have severe egg on my face. Um, but I, I, I th- listen. This this opening game, um, I, I think yes, they they, you know, will <laughs> will certainly uh, or at least should have enough uh, to get past Costa Rica. Um, but in in terms of getting out of the group, uh, in what affects me in terms of Serbia is mentality. Um, you know, when they need to do it, you, you have to wonder whether or not they can. Um, Switzerland, on, on, on the other hand, have the experience of, of getting out of jail. Um, so I think Serbia, as a betting man, I would tip them to, to beat Costa Rica. Maybe something like, a, you know, maybe a, a 2-0, two, 2-1. Two two um, so 2-1, 2-0? Uh, what am I going to say? Well, Costa Rica, just having a look at Costa Rica here. Brian Ruiz still there. Joel Cam- yeah, maybe a 2-1. one. Campbell's two Two one. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go for two nothing to the Serbs. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because they've got Matic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Playmaking from deep. <laughs> he scored one this year. Playmaking from inside his own 18 yard line. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. So we got uh, we're into our last three, and uh, we'll just take a short break, and we'll be back to you and wrap up the first ten games of the 2018 World Cup. You're listening to Soccer Report Extra with Bobby McMahon and Owen O'Callaghan. Be sure to follow them both on Twitter. Links are in the show notes below. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Soccer Report Extra podcast, World Cup edition. And we're just going to wrap up um, the first, uh, I guess it's actually 11 games, not 10 games. We've got two to go. And they are two involving two of the big guns. Teams that potentially um, could could face each other in the final. It's only happened once before. It happened in 2002. But for countries who have got records like they do in the World Cup, it's quite amazing that they haven't faced each other in the final more often. But uh, let's start off with the first one. It's in Group F, and it is um, Germany against Mexico. So Mexico, I'm not sure Mexico would have chosen this if they'd got, got a chance to... to, um, to, to to choose their fixtures, like that's a that's a start. Okay, maybe I'll change the question round on. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is there a possibility because so many teams that go on to have strong World Cups start World Cup slowly? Is this a chance for Mexico to maybe grab a point here, <laughs> or isn't it? Is it dumb and <laughs> is is it dumb and is it dumb and dumber? Where does the quote? So you're telling me there's a chance? Um, yeah, there's a chance, but I mean it's. Zero point zero one percent. I think, in terms of how both these teams lead into a World Cup tournament, Germany are all inspiring regarding the the personnel uh, that they have to count on. Um, you know, Yogi Love has has really transitioned. The, the one thing that I was worried about was, oh, well, you know, to come back and try it's and do two team, World Cups it? back to back is such a such a massive thing. But it's yeah. a different team. He's managed, he's transitioned yeah. and um, in key positions. And, and arguably, arguably, you can actually say that um, Germany have, have in, in a bizarre way, um, they, they have specialists in certain positions now that they didn't have in Brazil. Because if you remember... Um, Philip yeah. Lamb started as a midfield player. Uh, moved yeah. back, yeah. Or he um, he started in midfield, but then he he moved back to 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 fullback halfway through a tournament, and they had problems at left back, I think, um, in that tournament as well. Um, so I mean, you could make a point that 
they had into this game with a really, really specific lineup. Um, obviously, Sané's omission was was a, uh, a surprise, a, a clear sign of just how it was a yeah. surprise, but a clear indication of just how well oiled the machine is. Um, and on the other other side of that, I mean, when you looked at the Mexican squad, when you even look at maybe their first choice starting eleven, it's still the same set of players who they've had to rely on over the last number mm-hmm. of years. Um, you know, it's it's Chicharito, who's, who's had, a, a let's face it, a pretty mixed time at West Ham. The likes of Guardado, uh, Carlos Vela still there. But, but uh, Guillermo Ochoa still in goal. Um, I'm, I'm, is Herrera still a, a player I really like yeah. in centre midfield. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but the thing is about Mexico... Very similar to Switzerland. Yeah. Um, you look back at their 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 history at this tournament. Every bloody time, second round, second round, second round. I mean, it's. Um, I, I think that they've always. I don't know. Luke can check it. Um, certainly, the last while. I, I can't remember the last time Mexico failed to get out of a group stage. Last sixteen. Last sixteen and home. Um, yeah. It's usually last sixteen. Yeah, I mean, right? it's, it, usually they remember they went out to um, went out to Argentina in two thousand and six. Yeah, uh, two thousand two they went out to yeah. the states. Uh, two thousand and ten in South Africa. Could they go uh, out to Argentina? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think so. Two thousand and ten, two thousand fourteen. What happened to them last time in Brazil? I uh, uh, can't remember that one. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, um, yeah, it's last sixteen. That's uh, they, they've never been able to break that glass ceiling of uh, of the yeah. last sixteen. But the, you look at the 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 makeup. It, it's certainly for this team. You've got to say it's kind of the last Completely. hurrah for them. Yeah. For the makeup of this team. Um, now it's you know in some ways it's a strength for them because they've got a lot of players in that kind of 28, 29, 30 year yeah. old age group. Uh, but it is their last chance, so they've got a, a fair degree of experience there. And but you know, as I say, the, if you look at them compared to Germany, it would be a major shock. So I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Germany two nothing. Uh, I'm going to pick Germany to to really get a ball rolling. A um, couple of goals for Thomas Muller, who I think just always steps up at a World Cup. I'm going to say Germany to win this three one. That's a Thomas Muller. We should talk about them in a little bit. Uh, in future podcasts, because I think Thomas Muller, he had that really, really bad year. I think it was uh, most of 2017, he was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. But there were signs in 2018, he was beginning to form again. As you point out, he doesn't score at the Euros, but God, does he does he perform at World Cups. And he's sitting on 10 goals. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he, in no, maybe not this World Cup, well, possibly this World Cup, but uh, certainly the next one, if he stays relevant, that uh, he could be uh, he could beat Clausus total of sixteen. I think so. He's he's. Yeah. I love him. I think he's a great player. Yeah. Really, really fancy yeah. him. So that brings us to. The, we've talked a little bit about Switzerland already, but now we're going to talk to them <laughs> in terms of their game against Brazil. So I was talking to somebody today. I did a little bit of thing with um, Sportsnet in um, in Vancouver, and. Um, Talking about Brazil, and this has crossed my mind, you you look at them, you look at the players, you look at the makeup of the team, and you go, they're going to be pretty hard to beat. The thing is, it's exactly the way I felt in 2014, and probably the way I felt in 2006 as well, and I got burnt both times. So, so do we get, do we get, a, do we really, really get taken because it's Brazil, and we start reading too much into them. Well, firstly, I think that if if you talk to anyone from Brazil right now, um, you know that there is uh, a, a a quiet confidence. It's certainly not as exuberant as it was four years ago when they just were like, "Well, we're going to turn up, we're going to win." Um, no question about it. Um, I think they got badly burned four years ago, and 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 Brazilian people haven't forgotten it. Um, I think that. When it comes to certain storylines, I can't really wrap my head around it. Like, uh, you know, Brazil are great in qualification. Yeah, but World Cup's completely different. Like, it's a, com- yeah. it's a, there's no point in comparing there's those no, things. No, there's, um, there's absolutely no correlation yeah. between doing well and qualifying. And it's, it's and very, very silly. Well I mean, because only four years ago, you have something like uh, that the Brazilians faced uh, right up close. You lose a key player. 
um, in the tournament yeah. and suddenly everything changes. Um, I think that the Neymar thing is is a really interesting uh, aspect to look at. I think it was a huge mistake him leaving Spain to go to France. I think uh, there's serious question marks about his motivations, uh, his his actual personality now, his his ego, uh, and whether or not four years ago he was like the darling of Brazil. That's cool because he was younger and, and a little bit more, dare I say, humble at the time. Now he's Neymar superstar. Uh, you wonder how, how much... Uh, he is affected by this and how much uh, of this World Cup is going to be about Neymar Inc. rather than his mm-hmm. impact and contribution to to the Brazilian team uh, at large. Um, there are still some question marks about, about the rest of that team. Coutinho has been in and out in Barcelona. Um, Gabriel Jesus with Man City, yeah, he's been a success. Um, but in terms of the wild kind of adulation and uh, I think this week it switched from uh, Germany to Brazil as as in terms of the, the bookies uh, for favourites. Yeah, I still need a little bit of convincing. Brazil have always frustrated me when I've watched them at World Cups. Maybe 2002 is a slight exception to that. Um, I didn't grow up on 1970. I didn't grow up on um, those kind of images. I, yeah, I didn't. I miss that. I miss Zico. I miss Socrates. I didn't have that. I grew up on really functional Brazilian football. Um, you know. Uh, but see, see, that's the thing. I'm waiting on. I'm waiting to throw my shoe at the first TV commentator <laughs> that talks about the magic of watching Brazil well, play. I mean, because it hasn't existed for over. Yeah, because I mean, years. least you forget. I mean, it, even you go back twenty years ago. Um, you know when that the famous Nike TV commercial was made with the Jogo Bonito thing yeah. and them dancing in an airport. Um, the best team at the World Cup in 1998 was the Dutch in terms of that style and in terms of that yeah. energy and that in terms of the expression. Brazil, for the most part were really boring. Um, so, yeah, and, and you know what? It, as we talk, talked about earlier on in the podcast, it gets you certainly to, to, to be there or thereabouts. I'm not saying that Brazil won't be there or thereabouts. Um, I just I just don't think um, that they, they have this sewn up. Um, I think that in terms of an opening game, um, the, the Swiss will, might be a little bit uh, tricky, maybe a little bit of an irritant. Swiss like Swiss like Swiss roll, um, but I mean you you do have to look at um, the Brazilian individual talent. You know that that you know maybe this is the game when Neymar scores twice and everyone kind of says, "Oh, look at him! Isn't he wonderful?" Um, and then you know he may come in for a little bit more um, of 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 a, of a problematic future tournament. But um, first day out of the gate, I think Brazil will win this. Um, I think that that it, yeah, maybe. I still fancy that. I still fancy Brazil to concede goals. Um, so, so I think that that yeah. may be something like a two-one. I, I don't think it would be very impressive. Um, I, I think it would stay uh, relatively close to to type. Um, so I'm going to do. I'm going to say Brazil two-one here. Yeah, I'm going to go for two nothing. And um, Jason, I know we'll we'll talk about this in future podcasts. But just the um, the Neymar thing, like Neymar. He's not going to win this World Cup on his own. No. Um, if he's if he's if Brazil are going to win it, they're going to need obviously a very resolute defence. And you know, they've got Marquinhos at the back. They've got Miranda, who's a very good player, at the yeah. back. Uh, they've got Allison in the goal, so you know they'll have a couple of darting forward uh, fullbacks, but they'll clog the middle. Um, but ultimately, you're going to need to think of Gabriel Jesus or a Firmino to to kind of step up. To take some of that weight, you know, there's no Fred. Let's face it, there's no Fred in the lineup this time. Well, it's a different it's, Fred, it's, but they're not the it, original Fred. It's what a what a great storyline. I completely even forgotten about Fred. I mean, in fairness, I think Fred even forgot about himself. Um, so, <laughs> but it's really yeah, Fredgy or something, isn't it? it it's Fred Fred Fred. Um, maybe Luke can help us Fred with the Portuguese um, pronunciation Fred there at the end um, <laughs> to give us the Valencia um, type yeah. sort of pronunciation of it, Barcelona. Um, Barcelona. So we're, we're back to that. I mean, hey, listen, maybe that's yeah. something else that we can look forward to. Um, the, the various commentators who will wrestle with the proper pronunciation of various players' names. <laughs> uh, and when you say oh, it, that sounds funny. a bit stupid, they'll go, that's the way that you pronounce it in Senegal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that brings us to the end of our uh, uh, our World Cup preview. First few games, anyway. 
we'll be back next week but before we go we'll be back in a few seconds just take a break and uh, just check some stuff out with producer Luke you're listening to Soccer Report Extra keep up to speed with the podcast and get all the latest news musings and rants from Bobby and Owen by liking us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra now back to the show Welcome back to the wrap-up of Soccer Report Extra podcast, World Cup 2018 edition. And this is when we bring in producer Luke Crawford. And what have you got for us this week, Luke? Well, you guys were talking World Cup 2018. And because Owen was wondering who's the keeper for the USSR back in 1986, <laughs> I went into the time time machine. Sorry. And, uh, <laughs> and spent a lot of time looking at World Cup uh, 86. Timeless. <laughs> so the Soviet Union or USSR or on their kit, CCCP. And there's some special way of pronouncing that too. But uh, anyways, at the 1986 World Cup, Soviet Union were in Group C, along with France, Hungary, and Canada in Canada's only ever appearance at the World Cup. Uh, USSR topped the group, uh, tied on five points, but four goals better on differential than France. Uh, And they advanced to the round of 16 and lost in a zinger 4-3 to Belgium. Um, You've got uh, a forward that scored three goals in that loss in the round of 16, Igor Belenov. Uh, you guys were also asking about some other famous players from that uh, squad. So Oleg Blokin, the uh, mm. we would remember him as the Ukrainian national team uh, coach. European player of the year at one point. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, and Alexander Zavrov in midfield. The goalkeeper for that squad, the, the starting goalkeeper, was Renat Dasayev. Dasayev. Ah, so, there you go. So Renat. Renat. Yeah. That was the yeah, name. He spent. Uh, let's see here. He uh, was included in Pele's list of the top 125 players. Of the Along world. with Freddie yeah, Owen was on that list as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now. Dasayev played in 82 as well. He played against uh, that uh, group with Scotland, New Zealand and Brazil in it in 82. So now if we're talking about absolute legendary Russian keepers, then the first name I guess that come up would be Lev Yashin. Lev, yeah. Yes. And, so he and, was, and his fat cap. Yes, exactly. And he's black. And, he was a black cat, wasn't he? Well, okay. So it, at the nineteen fifty eight World Cup, he it was the first televised World Cup, and he kind of shocked viewers by donning all black. Well, what yeah. appeared to be all black, but was actually just a really dark blue. And but it earned him the nickname the Black Spider, oh, okay. or the Black or the Black Panther. Oh, because of his acrobatic saves, and he'd come out and charge uh, charge down on on rushing attackers, and uh, yeah. So he was a okay. Here's a, a question. A here's a question for you guys. What's unique about Lev Yashin? Now, there's probably a lot of things unique about Lev Yashin, but there's one in particular. Give up? Give up. Oh, he also played ice hockey. Oh, no, yeah, that's true. But I believe he's the only goalkeeper ever to win the Ballon d'Or. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also have here that he, um, FIFA estimates over 150 penalty saves in his career. That is bullshit. And I'll fucking tell you why. (laughs) Who was who from FIFA are out there in nineteen fucking sixty one in Russia, looking at like who the fuck comes up? You could but just say anything for that. FIFA estimates seven hundred and forty three penalty saves in his career. Who was keeping fucking stats at that time? Here in a European Cup with Dinamo Moscow in nineteen sixty, a gold medal for the Russians in nineteen fifty six. Yeah. Um, made 74 appearances for the Russians between 54 and 67. Well, Owen's, uh, Owen's going to question that as well. I'm questioning everything. Yeah. I'm calling bullshit on all this. Was he even fucking Russian to begin with? <laughs> yeah, he was Russian. He was always in a hurry. So, hey. <laughs> no, he also has some other quotes. So here's here's uh, one quote was, uh, the joy of seeing Yuri Gagarin flying in space is only superseded by the joy of a good penalty save. <laughs> There you go. That's so made up. No <laughs> one's ever said that. But did did Gagarin make 150 trips to space though, according to FIFA? <laughs> no. Oh. Now another quote here. Um, Who was the first man also- to save a penalty in space? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might have been Lev Yashin because he likes to talk about himself in the third person or oh, okay. first person, uh, kind of like Bob Dole. Uh, there, uh, there have only been two world-class goalkeepers. One was Lev Yashin. The other was the German boy who played for Manchester City. Bert Troutman. Talking about Bert Troutman. Goodness grief. 
Uh, there was the Lev Yashin Award for goalkeepers, but it's now just been turned into the Golden Gloves. So I don't know what he, Lev had done to uh, to take his name off that trophy. I lied about how many oh, penalty saves know. he'd made. I think that's probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he played at he played at four World Cups. Yeah, he uh, made uh, twelve World Cup uh, appearances and uh, and earned four four clean sheets uh, over those twelve. When I was growing up, when I was much younger than even Owen. Uh, Lev Yashin was the world's keeper. He was. He was. Uh, you mentioned Yashin. You were generally. Re- he was generally regarded as the best mm. in the world. So uh, Peru, Denmark, and <laughs> yeah. and kits. Yeah. So if you go to CBSSports.com, they'll rank the 32 World Cup kits in order. Well, they find some that can do well then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And if you trust CBSSports.com and their rankings, uh, Peru should beat Denmark because their kid is ranked number 14 and Denmark's is ranked number 27. Cert, dead cert then, isn't it? You wanted to talk about uh, Nigeria being this sort of refreshing or breath of fresh air when it comes to kit design. If you check out CBSSports.com, they agree with you, Owen. Mm. Uh, Nigeria ranks number one. I always like CBS. And the top... (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, the top five are France, Argentina, Brazil, Belgium, Nigeria. And then also in the group with Nigeria, uh, you have Croatia. They're ranked seventh and Iceland ranked 15th. Um, yeah, like that matters. Okay, so we're talking about Croatia and how often they had to go to playoff to appear in a, a cup final. 1998, they had playoff win over Ukraine. 2004, European qualifying playoff win over Slovenia. 2012 Euro qualifying playoff win over Turkey, 2014 World Cup qualifying playoff win over Iceland, 2018 World Cup qualifying playoff win over Greece. Okay. And then Mexico, uh, the last time they missed out on a World Cup was 1990. They also missed out in 1982 and 1974. And 1990 was the year they got uh, they got caught fiddling uh, age groups. <laughs> that's why the United that's where the United States got to. Uh, that's why the United States got to Italy 1990. I'm very relieved that that's how you, that opening sentence actually ended there. When you opened it with, they got caught fiddling with, I fiddling. really... I said fiddling, you. not diddling. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different thing. He's, he's a fiddler. <laughs> that's all my notes. Anyway, so um, I guess that brings us to the conclusion. But the next time we're back um, with you, the World Cup will be well underway and uh, so we look forward to uh, you joining us and we hope you enjoy the start of the World Cup fingers crossed may it be a good one on behalf of Ono Callahan, Luke Crawford myself Bobby McMahon thanks, thanks very much for tuning in and we'll speak to you later for someone who's so keen to snuggle you cause a lot of trouble Thanks for listening to Soccer Report Extra. To keep tabs on the podcast and get all the latest news, musings, and rants from Bobby and Owen, like us on Facebook at Soccer Report Extra. Music for this podcast graciously provided by Manitoba's hottest indie pop group, Misery Slims. Check them out on Spotify and YouTube and follow the band on Facebook at Misery Slims. <laughs>